You're listening to The Why Between the Lines, a podcast by Refresh Marketing, Australia's longest-running copywriting agency. I'm your host, Natalie Sia, and today's episode is actually the final one of our first season. So, who else should come on the show but Vicky Maver herself, the founder of Refresh Marketing? Well, Vicky has been running Refresh Marketing for 20 years, and if you've ever met her in person, you know that she's a force to be reckoned with. She's brilliant in marketing and copywriting and training, but more than that, she's a very supportive and inspiring boss and mentor too. In our chat, Vicky tells us how she went from corporate marketing into the copywriting space, how Refresh Marketing came about, and what's truly the most important thing to her when building this agency. I guess we can just start off by, like in your own words, can you just tell me what you do and what Refresh Marketing is about? Yeah, sure. So Refresh Marketing is a copywriting, fundamentally a copywriting content writing agency. I have been running the business in some shape or form since around 2003. As a marketer with always an interest in the creative side of marketing, um, I moved from, I guess, corporate marketing into the copywriting space and just knew that that was a real, really right for me mm-hmm. and worked uh, as a copywriter for many years as a, I guess, in a freelance capacity. And then in around 2015, 2016, uh, decided to get some support with another person and then another person and another person. And here we are today, 2023, March. And we're a team of 12 people, uh, 10 of whom are, 10 or 11 of whom are writers. Yeah, and one of them being me. One of them being you, Nat. <laughs> yeah. So um, I guess the podcast is all about why people do what they do, yeah. right? So I, I guess my question is why copywriting? Because yeah. you were in you were in marketing, but why copywriting specifically? And because you also do training, business yep. writing yep. training. Yep. Why, why did yep. you do that? I, I think there's no easy, quick answer to that. Um, you know, sometimes you make a series of decisions and you sort of find yourself in a place and I guess you look at all the decisions that you made and they, okay, now this makes sense that I'm here right now today. Had I known that this is where I wanted to be, I made all the right decisions along the way, but I didn't know that at the time. I think um, marketing and, you know, the creative side of business was always something that I was drawn to. Why copywriting was mainly because as a, you know, marketing, my, my last role in the corporate world as an employer employee uh, was a marketing manager for a toy company and then prior to that, you know, other marketing, senior, mar- more senior marketing roles. And I found them just frustrating, just having all these ideas and having marketing plans that sat in people's inboxes. And as much as I love strategy and I'm really big on strategy, I think a lot of agencies or a lot of people can over-engineer strategy to the point where execution doesn't happen efficiently Yes. Or quickly enough. Yes. So I think copywriting appealed to me because it was really tangible work that I could produce for my clients rather than a marketing plan that sometimes felt, is this ever actually going to happen? Are they actually going to listen and put the money behind this that needs to be put? And I think because I was working back then with a lot of small business, um, it's not very motivating knowing that you're writing something that you know you have some great ideas that might not actually happen. So copywriting became more and more of my focus because I need an ad, I need an editorial, I need a press release, I need a website, I need media kit, whatever, and I could just go away and produce it. And at that time I had a young baby uh, and so, you know, and then I'm planning another one. So I guess it was something really tangible, very defined at that time that I knew that I could deliver on. 
And it is such a tangible hands-on skill that you do see yourself getting better and better all the time. But you also mentioned, I think, that you were never really a writer before No, this. no. I used to engage copywriters. Uh, but interestingly, when I look back at my schooling and my uni times, I was always clearly good at it. I just didn't recognise it in myself. Mm-hmm. Nor did I know that there was a career that could come from it. So I always read a lot and I always, you know, was always did really well at the humanities subjects because I could write, but it wasn't something that I really had identified as a career for myself until I started actually doing it. And somebody else actually saying, another copywriter who said, hey, have you ever thought about copywriting? Because you're actually, even just the way you communicate, uh, you've you've clearly got um, some potential there. So And then it's funny because I look back at the writing I did all those years ago and cringe, but it's great because you can see yourself growing all the time. Yeah, Whereas I just, you know, I've been doing it now for so many years and I still love the challenge of that blank screen. I still love, it's daunting, but then to produce something that you're really proud of is a real rush, I think, that, that you probably don't get or I didn't get as a senior marketing person in the same way. You can see campaigns coming, but, it's just it felt like much more grunt work and having to deal with politics of the business to get things done. Mm, it's like instead of just dealing with the abstract idea or concepts, now you get to see it come to life as absolutely, well. Absolutely. So that's the copywriting yep. um, side of it. But Refresh Marketing is also a lot about you giving training. Yeah. So how did that come yeah, about? Yeah. So look, growing up, um, you know, and I always joke, you know, when, you, when you're a little kid and all the adults in your life like to say, what do you want to be when you grow up? Well, I loved two things growing up. I loved art and I loved and I always just thought I'd be a teacher because I always loved little kids and I always loved being in that sort of facilitator role. Mm. Um, I wasn't an incredible artist, but I had a, I had, I mean, not like you, Nat, <laughs> uh, but I could, I could hold a paintbrush and produce something that wasn't terrible. Um, and so, yeah, it was sort of, it went from, I like art. Oh, maybe I'll be an art teacher. So that was sort of my response for many years. Yeah. Um, and so interestingly, I think that when I get up and teach writing, I am an art teacher. Like you I, are, writing I, is a form of art. Exactly. So when I, you know, after I had my kids as well, I, I really wanted to, I knew I wasn't going to be a teacher. I wasn't going to go out and be in a school classroom, but I still had that urge inside of me. And it just felt important for me to, to, to pursue it in some way. And how it all started was I just had this idea one day, why don't I teach at a university um, marketing? And so I had some relationships at Monash and pursued that path and very quickly, you know, got, got a gig as a tutor teaching um, uh, undergraduate students and a bit of postgrad as well, even though I didn't wasn't a postgraduate myself. Um, so suddenly I was being a tut- a marketing tutor and a lecturer, and I absolutely loved it, and it felt right, it felt very comfortable for me. Um, meanwhile, I was growing the copywriting business, and then it was okay. How do we bring these two things together? Mm. Because the the Monash work was so such an important stepping stone for me, but it wasn't. It was more of a love job, in the sense that it didn't pay brilliantly. Right. Um, sorry, Monash. <laughs> um, well, just the nature of it, you know, um, as when you're not an academic, it doesn't pay well. I right. guess for the academic, it's a different story. Um, and so I sort of just again reflected on, okay, if I sort of 
move on from Monash because it doesn't fit into the business that I'm also trying to grow on the side, what else is, is there that I can do? And I had that conversation with a long-time copywriting colleague uh, called Frank Chamberlain and um, he, he was very instrumental in my copywriting career but then, as it turns out, my training as well. So he was already delivering the writing skills training and asked me to come and join him. Um, and so that's where it all started back in 2008 and wow. loved what he did and we did it together for many years and really built the course and just realised there was just such a huge market for not just business writing training but uh, then we developed digital writing and copywriting training and, and, you know, the skill of writing is actually teachable. Like it's, you know, obviously it helps to have an innate talent and a passion but there is a science to it as well and I love imparting that. So bringing the two sides of uh, the business together has been quite magical um, because you're not ever just doing one thing. you always got the mm. two things to, to uh, keep you engaged and passionate, but also um, the cross-pollination of the training and the copywriting is, is amazing because we've a lot of clients that we work with, we met through a training scenario like Bell Chambers Barrett, which is one of your clients, Nat. Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, I go there every year to do training, but now we're their content uh, agency and we produce ongoing content for them and that's just that's just wonderful that we can help them in all those ways and they know the vibe, not the vibe, but more like the way we approach writing. They understand it. Yeah, so, and that makes them such great clients. Yeah, because the they page. know we teach all about simple, plain English, conversational language and the importance of that for connection mm-hmm. so that when I teach it and then we produce the work, we're living and breathing everything that we, we're teaching anyway. So it all just really... And I think Bell Chambers Barrett, which is an auditing, auditing and accounting firm in, in Canberra, um, is a really good little case study of that. And we have others like it, but I'm talking to you now, so it's front of mind. Yeah, that's right. And I like how like everything came together. Like you said, you liked art and you liked teaching and through Refresh Marketing, you get to do, you get to do both yeah. your loves yeah. in one place. And I think it's really interesting that your life, like your career life, your professional life does actually often get you to a place that makes sense, even though at the time you don't really know where you're going. Mm. But you can look back and say, okay, if I hadn't done that, then I wouldn't be, you know, all the different wrong, right and wrong turns you made along the way was getting you to a point that makes sense for you when you look back at what you envisaged. Yes, that's um, so amazing. I'm going to ask you a little bit more about the wrong turns um, later on. But so you were a one woman show um, for a long time. You started in 2000. Three. Mm. And I think you went on for about 15 years before you started mm. hiring and mm. growing the team. So mm. how, how and why did you decide that it was time mm. to expand? Yeah. So being on my own made a lot, like there was no other way for that period of time. My daughter was born in 2004. My son was born in 2006. And then I stopped. <laughs> um, and, you know, I, you know, sorry for the cliche, but it was really just about trying to do it all mm. um, and have a career, have a fulfilling career, but be around for my kids. And so, you know, I, it wasn't easy and it's certainly not something that I would, um, you know, say is fun at times, but oh. just to know that I could pick up the kids from school and take them to the after school activities and be there for the, you know, all the things um, that I that I was while also not having the pressure either of answering to somebody else mm. so I could take work on as it worked for me 
you know, and again, I'd never really set out to start the business. That's just how it ended up unfolding. And I think once you start and you have the family and you realise you've got some degree of autonomy and flexibility in the way you, your life is run, it's hard to go back. Yeah. And I think times have changed as well. I think 2023 is very different to 2003 or 2004 in terms of that. I think employers are a lot more flexible, flexible these days. But back yeah. then I don't – I didn't imagine – being able to have the, you know, it was either you're you're on the bus or you're off. Yeah. Uh, so I don't I don't know that uh, it's the same now. So once so 2015. So what my daughter would have been in grade five, my son would have been in grade three. Mm-hmm. You know, there comes a time when you just know you're ready for something more. And I think I saw that. How did you know though? How did you know that you were ready for something more? Because it excited me the thought of it. I was at home for so many years and it really all started with speaking to a client who had just moved into a new space, new office space in St Kilda, mm. and had said to me, uh, if you're ever interested, I've got a, a spare desk space if you ever want to just come hang out with me. And um, that's, that's how it actually began. So I thought, oh, getting out the house, that would be amazing to actually <laughs> go somewhere for work. So that's what I did. And then I believe it happened at a similar time. I think once I had the office space, I was thinking, oh, I could actually get some help. And I called, I called the role a copywriting assistant, someone oh. just to support me. And there was no grand plans for a, you know, 12, 13 person agency at that time, yeah. nor any time. <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, and then so I had that, me and one other person, three days a week, and then it went to full time and then it just the, the work just got more, more and more. And I, I don't remember clearly all the different, events that led, got mm. me here. Uh, I guess I just went with what my heart was telling me and that was that I loved learning. For, even though a lot of the, in those early days, most of the people I hired were uni graduates or even uni students, I learned so much from them and just the opportunity to be able to bounce off and to have, have somebody else nut out a headline with you it was just priceless. Yeah. And I always just felt more confident handing over work that I knew somebody else had seen. You feel less lonely as well. A lot like less you lonely. Have someone else that's got your back, you know. Absolutely. And at the end of the day, there's no surprise that people wouldn't argue with this. I'm an extrovert. So I draw energy mm-hmm. from other people. And you, you, you form bonds and you come to look forward to go to work. I think maybe I had been in a rut. Uh, working from home for that many years and it was just time. And then, you know, there was another one, there was another one, and there was another one. And I was really just going with the pace of the work more than anything. When when did you realise like, oh, no, now my business is so much more than just me. It's actually like a team now. Did that kind of a moment um, um, come in for you or you just, or you're still not really? <laughs> was, there was a few pinch me moments for sure. I think I never really had any... Uh, dreams of becoming a manager or a boss, mm-hmm. and I don't actually love that side of it. Really? I, yeah, I, I. It's a lot of pressure, mm. and there's aspects of it I love, and there's days that I love it, but other days it's like, oh. what, what sort of things that you don't quite like about being a boss? I think it's really important to, as a boss, to have zero ego, and to not ever think that your ideas are the best at all. And I, then some of the best ideas or most, many of the best ideas that have come to this agency has been not mine. Uh, I, I guess I don't like having the difficult conversations, but who does? 
so I'm just not comfortable in an authoritative, mm-hmm. even though I consider myself to be a strong person and direct and clear on what I want and what I don't want in life. I don't know why, but I don't like being an, authorit- an authoritative person. Mm. So through the journey of being a boss, um, was there any decisions that were particularly hard that you had to make? Uh, I think when you have staff along the way that you know are not a good fit for the business, that's absolutely the hardest thing to have to give people bad news, you know, that happens. Are you employing people for now eight years? It's going to happen. It's the people side of things for sure. Uh, and also I guess being the one that has to make the decisions and I think that's probably why when when you running a family you're kind of the one that people turn to and then you come to work and you're the one that people turn to and you always feel like you're looking after other people. Not to say that I don't get looked after but um, – you do tend to get tired sometimes. Of yeah, that. I'm sure. I'm sure. So, would you say like some of the toughest decisions you've ever had to make in this business are decisions that involve people, for sure, letting go of staff and things yeah. like that? Yeah, absolutely. Has there been any decisions that you've regretted in making? Uh, no, nothing that I've regretted because I've learned something. Uh, sounds so cliche, but <laughs> you do learn. And yes, of, course, of course, I've made plenty of mistakes, but the important thing is that you take away what you can and become curious about yourself and why you made those decisions and bring something else to the next time. And you just become wiser and wiser all the time. And I don't stop learning every single day I come into work. I can still make, even if it's a tiny thing, I can still make a wrong call on something. We all do yeah. sometimes. But, you know, you think, oh, I've been running this business, I should know better. And I think the thing is to be kind to yourself and mm. um, sometimes we expect more of ourselves than anybody else expects of us. So mm, That's uh, true. Yeah. And so were there any moments that you felt like you should just give up and not continue? It's a good question. Probably not seriously. Oh. Yeah. That's really good though. Yeah, because the reward has always outweighed the pain. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're such a positive person and that's probably why you are always looking for opportunities and yeah. learning opportunities yeah. in everything. I think I think if anything, the most important, the, probably the big thing I've learned about myself, and I said this to you probably just this morning in another context, is to slow down. And I've definitely been brought up and I've always been very much a fixer. So even if it's with one of my kids, there's a problem, okay, I just go into fix it mode. And that's just the way I've always been and just to be to sit with things and not react straight away, mm-hmm. but to sit with things. And because I, what I have learned is that I can feel that one particular solution is right and 24 hours later I can feel like it's not right. So you've got to allow space and time for it to settle and, and I know in the end I'll make the right decision, but I've got to allow myself uh, that time and, and remember that is it really urgent, Vicky? Like, can this wait another 24 hours just to, to sit with it, go for a walk, go to the gym, do something, cook the dinner, whatever it is that actually your your right brain is now taking the emotion away from something mm-hmm. and bringing in such more practical. Because I think once the emotion's there, it's very hard to make good decisions. Mm. Uh, yes, and I, right. I, I definitely have made, you know, I jump on things and I have conversations probably with people that I shouldn't have conversations with yet until I've, I'm clearer in my mind. And then I have to go back and say, oh, you know that conversation? I don't think that anymore. So oh, no. <laughs> so time is is really important. Like not 
yeah, I don't know what the, the language is, but to not react, but just to sort of let it rest in my mind. Yeah, not be too impulsive. Not be too impulsive, exactly. Right. Yeah. So um, back when you started, it's safe to say that your why to start this business was really yeah. because you wanted to be with your kids and to have the flexibility. Mm. But from then to now, like you said, the team is now from one person, just you. Yeah. Now you have 12 of us. Um, has that why changed? Oh, absolutely. I'm very clear on the why. Uh, when And the time is when you ask me, do you sometimes feel like I want to give up and throw in the towel? Yes, I have fleeting thoughts of that. Uh, however, don't forget before I did this, I was in the workforce for uh, 10 years mm. and I worked with a lot of idiots. <laughs> and you apply for a job and on paper the salary might be right and the uh, role description might mm. be perfect for you and your interests. But at the end of the day, you turn up to work and you just, you don't get to choose who you work with. And I've formed a lot of lifelong friendships from the various jobs that I went, you know, completed along the way. Uh, but what I absolutely love and why I'm here is because, and I don't mean it to come out this way, it sounds a bit God-like, but I get to choose who I work with. I get to turn up and look at people like you in the face and say, I'm glad to be here with you. And this makes me feel satisfied. And I want, even when I see the friendships that are established that don't involve me, that's just the best thing because you're bringing like-minded people who are good people, who are smart people, who share the same values, who respect each other, who understand the importance of, you know, we're not saving lives, we're copywriting. And yes, it's important, but to take it not too seriously at the end of the day as well. And, you know, I guess what's front of mind for me is this morning, you know, had to break some news to the team and then, you know, not to take away from the gravity of it and, and the response to it, but very quickly we, we were still the team and we were still able to find something to laugh about together. And that to me, and it is, it is about the laughter and, and the, the the humour inside the team, even just like when I'm off training for a day, my favourite thing to do is come back, sometimes with a glass of wine in my hand, and just read all the Slack messages from the day because it just makes me laugh and makes me smile. And the wit and the humour is, is that like, I don't know, is that enough for it to be a why? Yes, like, of course. <laughs> like, yeah, and I love, I think the other huge why is to be able to give that gift of a good positive workplace to people like you and everybody else in the team. But in particular, I think the graduates like Sarah Burke, who was, came to me at 19 and left at the age of 24 to go to her next role. And to know that, and Maddie and now Sarah, you know, to know that they've come in with zero professional experience and now Alana as well, and to give them an amazing start to their career even if it's just one or two years, um, to know that I can give them opportunities, that they can learn from fantastic people and feel supported and also to, to know that this is how workplace should be. Mm. I didn't know That's that when good. I first started, right? So I just was, I was like, oh, this is how it is. It's kind of political and it's bitchy and it's whispers. And, I mean, look, maybe there's some of that, of course, that might go on, but at the end of the day, I know everyone's here for the, for the same reason and everyone's respectful and enjoys to come to work. Yeah, definitely. And I definitely feel that. Yeah. Not just, and not, 
I'm not just saying that because <laughs> you're paying me, to say, but it's really such a great team that you yeah. have and the community that you've built. I think it's just amazing. Yeah. It's yeah. Really I am super proud of that. And I'm super proud that, you know, when, when someone does decide to move on, like particularly the, the younger, the Gen Zers, <laughs> let's say, uh, that they've got a they've got a bar. It's kind of like you know your first boyfriend or girlfriend, and how they treat you kind of sets the the bar. And if you've had it at a certain level, you're not going to go back. And that's that's what I want for everybody else. That's what I want. I want people to feel like, is this normal or is this no? It's not normal because I've been somewhere else and I know it's not normal. And there's a lot of a lot of shitty things that happen in workplaces. Mm-hmm. So just by being decent, good human first. Boss second, I think you can't really go too wrong with that. Mm. And I think people know that that's what I'm about. What would you say to the you who were just starting out? Mm. You know, I think back to sort of the second year, my first role where I thought I was probably a lot pretty good, not as good as I was, if that makes sense. Maybe think I got a bit confident <laughs> and I didn't know how green I was. Uh, so I think... Just to say to myself, you're never going to, it's never going to be easy. It doesn't mean it's not going to be rewarding because like things that are hard, like things that are easy really are rewarding, right? Like one of my, it's actually on my gym, when I go to the gym in, my, in the circuit room, they've got this massive sign and I, and I just always think about it and, it and it says, will it be easy? No. Will it be worth it? Absolutely. So it just nice. always reminds me that the good stuff doesn't come from the easy stuff. If it's, if it's easy, then you're probably not being challenged and you're probably not learning. So I think just to remind myself to keep my ego in check uh, because you can't lead a business with ego. You just, you cannot. And um, just to, I guess, say to myself that you're always going to learn, but you're always going to get better. And people are going to, suddenly people are going to look to you for answers. And and then you're going to realise, actually, I've got a lot of them. I don't have all of them, but I've got a lot of them. Uh, And to have, I guess, to know that you know if you put if you surround yourself with like-minded people you can actually deal with any kind of problem that comes your way mm. uh, and also to have a partner like you know to always who's going to listen <laughs> to very end. important <laughs> yeah so you know my husband's not been an employee of the business ever and never will be but he's certainly been along for the ride with me um, and my kids now to some extent as well they call this business my third child uh, they know that, you know, they, they come first, um, but they also know this is a huge part of my identity. And, mm. um, yeah, so I, so I don't know if I've answered your question, but I think just reminding myself that no one, no matter how, you know, all the amazing people you see out there that you might have, you know, you might want to compare yourself to, that they also don't have all the answers. And also I would say to myself, you'll get over the imposter syndrome at, some, at one point. And I, and I do feel that's not a big struggle for me anymore. Uh, it certainly was. And I think everybody deals with it to some yes. degree. Yes, definitely. Uh, but but that it's normal and that suddenly if you find, if I've got, you know, if some of the the, the problems that team, also problems, the issues that come to me every day, sometimes it's just clear as crystal what needs to happen and other times I've just got to say, I don't know, let me think on it or let me, what do you think? And it's it's, it's so interesting how often now I'll say that back. So get ready, Nat. <laughs> I'm sure I've okay. said it to you. What do you think? You come to me and what do you think? And I think just really challenging people to trust their own instincts. And mm. it's so interesting how often I, when I do say that, 
they have ideas, they have thoughts. And so, you know, they might actually say something that I hadn't thought of, mm-hmm. you know, and that, that's, that's, that's what it's all about. Like two, three, four, five, 12 brains are always going to be better than one. So what's your proudest achievement as a copywriter, as a writing trainer, as a mentor or as a business owner? What's, what's, what are you most proud of? Wow, that's a huge question, Nat. I think, you know, you have a lot of you, client wins along the way, a lot of fantastic successful projects, a lot of great stories to tell internally and externally. I think when you bring that all together in the form of your website, which is your sort of trophy cabinet, I guess, and you can put the people that are in your business, the projects, the calibre of the clients that you work with, I think seeing that all come together is like, whoa. You know, you kind of... It's impressive. Yeah, you get sort of, you get some perspective. And I think, you know, even just recently, well, at the moment we're rolling out a series of credentials documents for different sectors. The first one that we've done is for the education sector. And just to sort of give yourself that time and the space to bring it all together and present it. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, yes, I'm a copywriter, but it's about communication and to be able to... present that to somebody and realise that it's actually very compelling uh, and to be proud of all that you've achieved because you know that you know that it's not just on paper. This is, this is mm. real achievements. It's, yes, you're expressing it on paper, but uh, and there's nothing I love more than, and this happens often where I'll get a new business call and I always ask, why did you call us? And they'll say, well, you, you know, you just, your website standard stood out. It was just the way you communicated. If, if you could convince us in your writing and the way you present yourself, then I feel like you could do that for our clients. So just to know that the intention and the goal is, is actually working mm-hmm. um, and to bring it all together, that's, that's, you know, that's amazing. And also I guess it's worth saying from the training side of things as well, when somebody does call you 10 years later and they're at a new workplace and they say, Every time I write an email, Vicky, you're in my head. Wow. <laughs> and it hasn't, doesn't happen every day, but it's happened a couple of times. And, you know, I need you to come in and do the same for my team now. And that's, you know, that's great that you can have this lasting impact on people in the way that they go mm. about a skill that they actually undertake every single day of their working lives. It's great. It's amazing. Yeah. It's, it's almost like you're leaving a legacy of yeah. sorts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And actually just... Um, just last week I was at an event and I bumped into an old, uh, one of my first employees and we had a great catch up and she said to me that she's now managing people herself and watching the business from afar and just to have that sort of touching base all those years later and seeing where they're going, that's, that's, I mean, that's really the best, isn't it? That was Vicky Maver, the founder and strategic director of Refresh Marketing. I hope you enjoyed the interview as much as I did. And I'm not just saying that because she's my boss. I genuinely am inspired by her. Well, this marks the end of season one of The Why Between the Lines. If you've been listening to all our episodes since we launched, thank you. If you've not heard our previous episodes, do check them out because we've had some refreshing conversations with some really inspiring people this season. As always, if you have a story you'd like us to help you tell, whether through this podcast or our copywriting services, do get in touch with us through the link in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening and bye for now.